I hope you enjoyed this episode. Come connect with me on Instagram with the handle born underscore underscore together. I'd love to hear from you. And please do share, subscribe and rate the podcast to help it get out to a wider audience. I'd love if you could. Until next week. Bye. Today, I have the pleasure of capturing Abby Smithson's journey of motherhood, who takes us through her journey, beginning in the UK with the birth of her daughter and her current pregnancy, navigating a new maternity system in Australia. Abby opens up about the experience of her first birth, the medical trauma that surrounds it, and the complex beginning she had with motherhood, struggling to connect with her baby, but also feeling fiercely protective. It would take the best part of a year and a shift in the needs of her baby to find space to allow all the feelings she had been pushing aside to come to the surface and heal. Since that time, and as a result of her own journey, Abby has trained as a birth and postnatal doula. She and her family have also relocated to Australia, where she is currently navigating a very different system, and Abby shares the limitations that she has faced in accessing a home birth. Finally, we touch on the importance of the postpartum and how Abby is keen to provide herself with a more grounding experience, holding the space with greater understanding and consideration than her first time around. It's a great episode unpacking the way one's experience can vary within the different systems and bringing attention to the significance and impact of our postpartum journeys as parents, people, and our bodies. Enjoy and happy listening. Hi, Abby. Thanks for coming and joining me here on the podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Oh, I'm excited. I'm loving talking to people back home. And it's funny, I think this time of year is one of the times I really notice, I feel like I am on the opposite side of the world, that the seasons are changing the wrong way for me. So it's nice to have a connection back home. (laughs) Yeah, very, very, very odd. Very odd. And Abby, would you like to introduce yourself and maybe tell us a bit about you and your family and what you get up to? Yeah, sure. So I am, as you can probably tell, English, so very much from the UK. But I currently now live in Wondjerabera country in the Gold Coast hinterland in Australia. So we're kind of like reversed because you're Australian okay and I'm the other way around. Um, yeah, so I live here with my husband and my three-year-old. And I'm also a birth and postpartum doula. And then I'm also, yeah, but not a very active one as I'm also currently growing a baby of my own right now. Wow. Maybe that's the most active you'll ever be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess meant professionally, professionally. You're doing some um, intense research at the moment, undergoing the process yourself. (laughs) Exactly. And it's very, very different when it's, yeah, when it's, when it's you, actually. (laughs) And Abby, do you want to tell us a little bit, I guess, about your life beginning as a mum? Had you planned to become a mum when you did? Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, we very much did. Yeah. So I got married very young. I think I was, I think I was 22. Um, We actually met in Australia. He was just from Watford, so just down the M25. But yeah, so we, we'd got married and we always knew that we kind of wanted to crack on with having babies. And so, yeah, and I was a, I actually was an early years educator. So I was kind of working as a nanny at the time for a gorgeous family with three children. So obviously I thought I'd have it down pat. Yeah, I was like, I've got this. Yeah, and then, yeah, so we started trying, I don't know, like took out, 
the contraceptive that I was on. And yeah, we we cracked on. Um, and it only took yeah, it only took me about three months or so to kind of fall. And um, and yeah, and then that was it. So yeah, very much planned. And yeah, it was a really nice pregnancy actually. Really quite easy, apart from the yeah the usual jitters. And then obviously I was cha- just from eight till six, four days a week, but I was chasing after three children at the same time. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I had like evenings and weekends and my Friday off, which was fine. But yeah, it was. I guess it made. Yeah, it wasn't. It was not the usual start to pregnancy. I guess that most people have. No, (laughs) no. But it kind of made it all all the more exciting because yeah, they were very, very, very excited about it all. And yeah, so yeah, it was. It was yeah, a very kind of standard, very easy pregnancy bit of morning sickness to begin with and all that kind of stuff but yeah it all went really 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 pretty good and we plan to give birth in our local local trust near and to clarify this is back in the UK yes yes so yeah my first pregnancy and birth was in the UK we've only been here for a year now just over a year so yeah so we yeah, I plan to give birth like in our local trust and uh, in the birth centre. I was really, really lucky. We couldn't at the time get onto like, I'd planned to do like NCT and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff as everyone does. Um, the kind of standard, the standard gamut of the things you do, but we couldn't get on. It was really, really busy. I think there's something about, I remember the, it was really busy when I actually gave birth. There's something about that time of year. I think it's maybe because it's, it's almost nearly nine months yeah. after Christmas yeah. that everyone's obviously like, you know, conceived over over Christmas and New Year. Yeah. Maybe it actually doesn't work for September babies, but I know a lot of people talk about having babies at the right time for the school year as well. You don't want them late August. You want them sort of from September onwards. And I just find it so funny. I was like, well, I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind. (laughs) If you could plan it that way, perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Because being one of the youngest is rubbish. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, NCT was so busy and I couldn't get on at all. I couldn't get booked in anywhere anywhere local. But luckily, who I used to nanny for, her best friend just down the road was an NCT teacher. So she just did, yeah, she just did a kind of private session for me and my husband and it just blew my mind. I just, just all these things that I'd never even considered, even the fact, you know, I was probably six months pregnant by then and then just all these things I hadn't considered and talking about like transition and talking about you know birthing the placenta I hadn't even considered like birthing the placenta and all that kind of stuff just all yeah all absolutely like blew my mind and I just felt hooked absolutely hooked on birth I guess sounds like me it's like I'm addicted (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's just fascinating and yeah and it's so and yeah most I would say most people are in in similar situation and that they hadn't even considered until you know they were led up to it and we're like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) this is what's gonna happen so so yeah she was amazing and she was so so had the most perfect outlook I think especially for like a first time a first time parent a very like um, she was super balanced and like you know natural's good but also you know she was amazing she kind of like kind of acted as if my my doula for the rest of my pregnancy as well which was just gorgeous fantastic it was perfect so yeah so yeah we did that and 
and yeah, so I was really prepared gearing up for a kind of vaginal birth, low intervention, no no drugs, water birth. And then at about 38 weeks, my midwife palpated my tummy and went, oh, I think that's a head up up near your ribs. <laughs> and so we were just like, oh no. And at that point, I wanted to cry because it just felt like everything, everything just, yeah, shattered a bit. Um, I think it's so out of your control, isn't it? It's You can do all of the reading and like positive thoughts, but I mean, it's really up to baby, isn't it? It's like, I can't really do anything about this. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, I did start frantically Googling everything and I was messaging Laura, who was the NCT teacher, being like, what do I do? Who is also, she actually is a train dealer as well. I was like, what do I do? And she was like, right, mock Sebastian, go, <laughs> go see an osteopath, do this, do that. Um, I know that's a really big one as well. Yes, yeah, on, yeah. yeah, I lied upside down on my ironing board, like yeah. in the living room, <laughs> just must have looked like a complete, just, yeah, completely not okay. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so she did that and yeah, so I kind of did all, you know, did all those things and I went and saw the most amazing osteopath who looked like, he looked like Doogie Howser. Everyone's like obsessed with him around where I used to live. He's, yeah, I swear he's like a a god of some kind (laughs) Um, because he just looked at me and went, right, we're going to do this, this, this and this. He was just amazing. But then in that time, and then I also went to obviously have an appointment with the obstetrician and she was so, I felt so lucky we saw that obstetrician. Her name was Dr. Croissant. Actually, I'll never forget that ever because it was just so like, (laughs) such a random name, Croissant. Um, (laughs) She was so lovely and she was just, she was just so amazing and that she just went, right, if you do this, these are the statistics. If you do this, these are the statistics. So, you know, and she was very open, but kind of what swayed it for us is we decided that she kind of laid it out as you could have a vaginal breech birth and it may be fine and it will probably be fine if there are midwives there who are trained. But such mm-hmm. is the state of breech birth that we have now kind of dis like disempowered our midwives because yeah. because we don't train in it anymore and we because we've been doing cesareans as standard for so long which like you know now we know is wrong and not necessarily like that breach is now kind of a variation of normal and whatever but well, it's kind of scary. like this weird state we're in where we need to move forward but it's hard to so she was like yeah but you might not get a midwife who is trained and whatever so we decided that actually probably having an elective cesarean was was the best route so we booked in for 39 weeks and clearly whatever I did worked <laughs> because we got there and I was literally scrubbed up ready to go into theatre and they're like oh we'll quickly scan you and they're like oh she's head down <laughs> so we were, literally, we were literally there ready to walk out with our baby and oh my God, um, that would be so bizarre like your head uh, and you'd be like we're going home with our baby today <laughs> exactly I'd bought like you know got the little hat out ready to take him to oh. theatre and 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 she yeah and they were just like yeah she said down and so part of me was like amazing I can have you know pretend, yeah. earth that I was planning and then the other part of me was hearing all these other babies cry on the po- on the ward postnatal ward and just feeling like heartbroken because oh. I thought I'd have mine 
have mine there so yeah off we went home again ready to and immediately oh, went, immediately was like right we're going on a marathon walk to try and like walk this baby out <laughs> now, <laughs> now I want her so bad so um yeah but then and then inevitably didn't go didn't go into labor for another oh, nearly two and a half weeks I guess Gosh, that's but, such a long wait oh my god I remember I <laughs> I mean complete divergence but I um, went into like early labor I think it was about like 36 weeks or something and we'd gone up to my um it was around Christmas we'd gone up to my husband's family and just because I'd said you can't come of course like stuff started to happen and mm-hmm. so from then on it was such a long wait to meet my baby because I I thought like I was going to meet them and then they and she just decided to like close the close it all down um but it's so funny isn't it that's such a long wait you were prepared to go home with her <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I know I know it was slightly devastating and then yeah and I yeah by then I was, I'd obviously was very ready as well like the house had been mm. fully nested and like I must have hoovered the house like every day <laughs> like, so so bored and that so des- yeah like filled the freezer another three times like just did all the things <laughs> um yeah and then yeah and I had I did have quite a lot of like primordial labor like leading up like early labor and I think oh it's happening it's happening and a couple of times Toby even stayed off work because we were so sure that it was yeah and quite consistent and then and then nothing so yeah so I actually didn't go into labor until 41 plus one yeah so I didn't I didn't at least I didn't go to the full the full 42 43 suddenly felt but it was it yeah and then suddenly suddenly it was there and um very much I was like oh no this is actually it (laughs) this feels so different when you sent yeah when you suddenly realize that this is the real deal you're like ah okay that was nothing before yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) and um yeah and it was good I I really weirdly people get weirded out by me when I say this but I loved labor I absolutely loved it there was like this real sense of like just power in it and just feeling like my body was doing it and I was I was doing this and every contraction I'd be thinking you know this is bringing me closer to my baby and everything but they were really intense it was very much it was real like back labor like every single one was a bit like being punched in the back which was really hard and they just kept stopping and starting and although it was like kind of as they build which kind of became relevant later as they build they kind of like not fizzle out but it would slow down and I kind of managed to sleep for like a quite a few hours overnight and woke up feeling really disappointed but then the next day kind of as soon as I got up they came back full force again so so that went on kind of all day and I was in and out of the bath because the bath was just amazing yeah and it just got to this point that my husband was like right this doesn't seem right and I was like no 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 we'll stay at home we'll stay at home for as long as we like it's fine I think it's fine and I was kind of texting Laura the whole time being like you know no and she's like no just stay at home you're all good like this is your safest place like we'd very much like prepared ourselves to go in kind of at the last minute so that yeah exactly exactly um and then he, and then he's like, "Look, I think it's three and ten now. It's three and ten now." Um, I remember, like, I was like white knuckled on the side of the bath, and he was sat next to me, um, on the toilet seat, like, kind of, like, in, we were intermittently, um, kind of timing them, 
And so he was like, yeah, yeah, it's three and ten, it's three and ten, let's go in, bring the midwife. She was like, yeah, yeah, come in, come in. Um, it turned out he lied, but thank goodness he did because, yeah, he'd kind of, I think he very much, he very much sensed that I didn't feel right and I didn't feel that I'd, I was kind of doing what I thought I should be doing. To how involved in the process you are as well, isn't it? Like you, you wouldn't have known then that it wasn't or you didn't yeah. know because you're in it. You're just getting yeah. through one and the next one time has this weird warped sense <laughs> yeah it felt I think it felt much longer for him than it did yeah. for me but yeah so we kind of yeah they were like yep come in and I, I was just I had this massive fear I think because I'd heard like my cousin had said this had happened to her and stuff of going in and then being like oh you're you're only like three centimeters mm. or whatever like off you go so um yeah I was just so desperate to stay at home until the absolute last minute but um, anyway, he, he was like, yeah, I think we should go in. So I was like, fine. Like I got ready, got dressed and did my hair. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> as you do. You gotta look good. <laughs> <laughs> I think in labour, I like even shaved my legs and all sorts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we to get to do that uninterrupted for a while. So <laughs> <laughs> that, it, that's very true. That is incredibly true. Yeah. So, yeah. So he was like, yeah, let's go in. So off, off we went. It was only like tw- it was about twenty minutes down the road, and got there at about seven pm, and kind of like ho- hobbling along the corridor, trying to get to trying to get to the birth center. And um, they obviously brought me into the side room to kind of like check me over and see how dilated and and whatever. And so they did all that, check my blood pressure, and then they put the Doppler on on my stomach, and her heart was like sixty bpm. Um, and they say that um. They say that 110 is low, so she was 60. So as soon as as soon as I heard that, yeah, yeah, as soon as we heard that, there was like no question. She was like, I, I, I immediately knew it wasn't right. And I'll never forget that noise. And so they kind of whipped me up really quickly and took me through to labour ward and lie, lay me down on my on my left side for a second and put the monitors on and then pulled the red cord and that was it. So yeah, and so obviously you know ten ten or so people rushed in and and this is the bit I struggle with telling because I'm such a advocate for positive birth and for empowered birth experiences, but I also think that uh, these experiences really should be told because they are they do happen and it is common and people find commonality in that yeah and this was yeah this was this is my experience so um, and yeah led led me to where I am now so. Yeah, they they all came rushing in and, you know, did all the kind of usual protocol, break my waters and stuff. And um, and this this is why I think I am where I am today and why I am such a big believer in being informed. Because for every outcome, not just the ideal, obviously prepare for the ideal. Because I turned to the anaesthetist and I said to her, I'm going under, aren't I? And no one had said anything to me at this point. No one had even mentioned cesarean to me. But I knew immediately what was going on and what what was going to happen to me and I think perhaps having been in the position of being ready for an elective c-section had brought me to that point but Mm. also yeah having that amazing Laura who basically gave me like you know the kind of rosy tinted version of birth which is you know well not the rosy tinted but kind of the physiological side of birth versus kind of when when we need medical attention and what, what what this might look like and blah 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 is that she really brought me to this place of complete 
yeah, I was so, so, so informed. So yeah, and they just went, yep, yep, you're going under. And and that was that. So uh, when you go under, when you kind of have general anesthetic, no one, you can't, no one can come into the room with you. So my husband had to stay behind and she was born. So we arrived there, it's like about 7pm and she was born at 7.26, which is incredible. And I'm so grateful to to that trust because they were amazing. And yeah, and she was fine. She was absolutely fine. She came out blue, a little bit blue, but, but but breathing and fine. It was obviously a very momentary, momentary thing that she got into this distress, which kind of I now kind of believe I've been also been told now that I've got a bent, I've got a bent spine and all this kind of stuff that kind of they believe that they don't know, but they believe she kind of prolapsed her own cords inside somehow. Mm, and kind of helps the big picture because that was why my contractions were so stop and start because she was kind of they reckon where she kind of flipped flipped out of that breech position she was kind of malpositioned so she was trying to come down but she couldn't so that was my contractions were all weird that's why my, my, my I had such painful back labor and all that kind of stuff that kind of led to this point and it was really interesting actually because I went to see my uh, Cairo recently and he was like yeah you've got like I think you've got slight scoliosis and he was like you really heavily lean to your left side and I've always like intuitively felt like she was when I've imagined her like prolapsing her own cord it was always on my left side always I don't know I don't know I don't know but yeah really really interesting in a way fascinating but also yeah kind of good to know for this time as well so yeah but yeah as I said she was fine they took her to the special care unit just to be safe like yeah just to make her life easier basically and yeah she was with me the next night so she was it was all fine I think I woke up about 11 or something and then got to got to meet her for the first time my husband was with her from like that that was again something that I put into my birth plan was that if ever if anything ever went awry that he would go with her mm. and so we knew we we kind of knew knew where we were at with that so he immediately went with her and and yeah and she was yeah perfect and healthy and well and yeah all good so I was a bit bit more worse for wear but, that's, but yeah that was part of the course I guess and Abby do you feel that I guess it's hard to know do you feel if you hadn't have had the work with Laura, do you feel that they did a job, a good enough job, I guess, telling you the process of what was happening or it was really your own education that helped you to be aware of the situation and to feel, I guess, you had an understanding or maybe it is empowered. You had an understanding of what was happening because of the work you did. I think there was a mix. It was a mixture. I mean, they were pretty good. I think I do remember. Obviously, a lot of it's hard to remember, but mm. I do remember at one point them saying, "You know, we like as 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 I, basically as they were wheeling me out, being like, you're going for a cesarean now. You're going to go under or whatever.' But I mean, there were points as well where, obviously, I remember kind of more distressingly, like in theatre when they were getting me ready before they'd kind of put me out if I hadn't have been more aware because obviously they were so focused kind of perhaps rightly so on getting getting baby out and you know I I was physically fine but at one point I think I completely freaked out because I couldn't hear her heartbeat anymore and I was just suddenly in a blind panic and they're like oh no it's fine we've just taken the thing off we've just taken the monitor off and I was like oh my god you could have told me that because all of a sudden there was just still silence and I just thought oh my Mm. god yeah, I do. Be- yeah, I do very much believe 
that had I not had I not been so aware, I could have come out a lot a lot worse for wear. Mental health wise, had it not been for the fact that yeah, I, I did know what was going on because yeah, there was no time to tell me really what was going on or even even really get like full consent. I think I signed something, but I don't really remember. Yeah, yeah. Mine. I always say I always say to people about my birth that it was a medic medically traumatic birth. Obviously, as we know, there's a lot of like obstetric violence and things that goes that goes on and can kind of turn the most like kind of normal in inverted commas birth into a kind of a traumatic experience so yeah I always yeah it was I always say it was very medically medically traumatic experience as opposed to a kind of forced by humans kind of thing and how were your early days of motherhood after I guess did you stay in hospital for a while after that a few nights yeah yeah so we stayed in for about three days we actually also had the added kind of complication of loop we kind of lost our house just before like we were renting and they decided that they wanted to sell it Um, and so we decided to um, they were like you can kind of stay till the end of your tenancy or if you find something good enough like obviously move on so we found something and so I actually went into hospital living in the old house and then came out living in the new house um literally the day the day that we came out my amazing family like just rallied around and just moved us so I kind of so that that didn't help <laughs> all of my like know what anything in your kitchen is like exactly where's the cups <laughs> where's the tea um kind of had all my my all of my like nesting that I'd done like ripped out mm. so yeah that definitely didn't help and then yeah so we yeah we stayed in for about three nights or so and I think I just came from I always think it's quite unfair in some ways the way that we begin in terms of birth because a lot of yeah you're (laughs) depleted and and very tired and yeah coming into having a newborn and obviously she stayed the first night away from me and then I kind of would was walking down to to feed her and stuff but like for example I wish someone had told me about the second night syndrome for when when babies like just are desperate to get back in the womb basically and just won't get off your breast no so I was alone in the um postnatal ward and it was their busiest time of year it was awful <laughs> and I remember at one point feeling my arms go from underneath me where I was just so dead tired that I nearly dropped her because I was trying to feed her and sit up and obviously and yeah you feel like you can't have them in the bed with you because you're so you're so worried or whatever but um I was super lucky on the third on the third night that so my last night in there I think she just had like a moment where she kind of choked on her own they're quite 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 common with cesarean babies that they come they kind of don't get that nice squeeze out of the canal so she kind of choked on her own mucus and I really freaked out and then it was just before 9 p.m when my husband had to go home and just as I was kind of completely losing it around the corner came my community midwife and she just happened yeah. happened to pick up a shift that day and I was just like oh god and she was yeah she was just so amazing and, and she kind of gave me a hug and was like it's gonna be fine and yeah I was so and yeah she actually took Ailish off for me that night so I could get some sleep and yeah I was really grateful for her but yeah it was it was a rough start and I kind of very much struggled through struggled through the beginning really struggled with bonding 
really struggled with it. A, because I just don't think I had the mental capacity to really give everything because of I was dealing with trauma and also dealing with being in this new environment that I didn't even I didn't even know. And and also feeling very much that push to get back to normal. Like I think about five days out, uh, my sister was visiting from Australia and we everyone was going to have a goodbye me, like meal at a cafe down the road. And I went like an idiot, like I went and I was just pure. Like I didn't even, I had a meltdown because I didn't, I hadn't had nothing to wear. I hadn't thought about breastfeeding friendly outfits or anything like that. You know, it was the first outing with a baby. <laughs> which is stressful as it is and I'm and I was just so agoraphobic I was so afraid of this scar that I had I'd never even broken a bone before never even been to hospital for anything and here I was with this massive like massive scar because it, it is big surgery really big surgery when you hear about like all the layers and it's just mm. yeah, sort of the way they talk about it you think it's like they just open a zipper and the baby pops out but it's huge and mm. you even like the pain medication that people often are with major surgery, you know, like you're feeling everything, I imagine. And then you have to try and look after this little baby. It's raw. I can only exactly. So yeah, so yeah, I walked out to this cafe and I was just so like, yeah, so agoraphobic that I just, yeah, I, I don't, oh, this is just the silliest thing I think I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, and then went back home and yeah, just, yeah, didn't feel right for a, for a very long time. And just as I was starting to feel okay again it was about about the six weeks mark and then you know and you, you can like drive and stuff again and kind of feeling a bit more a bit more like pulled together that I kind of had this letter from the hospital and they were like oh come in for a come in for like a check like a like a six-week check which I didn't I'd never heard of before I kind of knew, I knew like obviously health visitors and community midwives did that but I'd never heard of anyone being called back into hospital before yeah I think they wanted to check because it was such a such a big traumatic kind of thing that I was okay but I walked in and there was this obstetrician there and she she clearly thought for some reason that I was there for a birth debrief so I'd gone there by myself for the first time and yeah I kind of ended up like you know trying to put up the pram for the first time by myself in the car park and struggling and having to call like just having to call Toby be like what am I supposed to do and yeah and then even then yeah just walking into like basically into like the dragon's den of just being like having all of my experiences rehashed in front of me and she was so early too isn't it yeah she was and I wasn't I wish I'd I wish I'd been able to talk about it more with more people and do my you know they say that you think you need to tell a birth experience or any experience 10 times before you can kind of fully debrief from it but that's on your terms that's you debriefing it whereas walking in and literally being told like in all the medical terminology that x y and z is why you're so lucky that your baby's alive right now was just horrendous and yeah and I think brought back a lot of trauma that I'd probably kind of my brain had kind of been keeping safe keeping me away from at that point in time too isn't like it's still so early and you're just trying to get to grips with being a mum it's maybe it is something the brain's so clever in protecting us Um, yeah I think it wasn't until I got to 10 months and then it really came flooding back and I was in a much better position then to handle it than I was at six weeks definitely Um, and so at what point do you feel that things started to change for you what was it that started to change? Was it a, just a slow burn of coming to connect with your baby? Yeah, definitely. I always remember in the facilitator who did my dealer training, um, Maddie McMahon. She uh, 
mentioned at one point how I remember I did a lot of crying in my doula training actually it's, it's amazing though it's good crying yeah but I remember at one point her talking about explaining how like a mother's love is like is like a flower and yeah it sounds a bit cliche and a bit soppy but it is and how whether it blooms immediately or whether it blooms like six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks down the line, it's still going to look the same. Mm. And I remember that resonating so much because I still felt fiercely protective of my baby. Like I wanted at one point, I think one of the, um, one of the midwives like accidentally pulled on that canyon and I, I could have punched her, like literally could have punched her because she made her scream. And kind of it's this weird it's so weird because you do have that really like protective instincts it's still there but kind of that that real like love did take a while to kind of exist and I just remember I think I wrote a blog post on it a while ago but I remember uh, when she was yeah when she was about like six seven weeks old hearing this song that I'd had on my labor playlist Mm. and just crying because I was like oh my god I love you so much and we just like lied there and on the bed together and I think I listened to it four or five times over and just kept crying and crying and it was such a catharsis it really felt like I guess maybe that was the moment I felt like I kind of surrendered into it a little bit instead of kind of fighting to get back to normal and obviously all these kind of stereotypes and societal pressures that we feel let alone kind of being stuck in your own kind of yeah trauma so yeah I think it got better but I was also very much in survival mode for for quite a while and I think when she turned one it kind of changed for the better but then also for the worse because then a lot of the PTSD kind of came out and I was diagnosed with PTSD and uh, bad bad anxiety and uh, put on to um, antidepressants and things, which I'm so grateful for because they were really a turning point for me. That's what I mean about kind of it being being a good moment. You could come up for air a little bit with those. Exactly. And and yeah, just being needed a bit less kind of it's so yeah. intense. Though that first year is just a whole new level of intense. And there was something about her turning one that kind of just kind of lifted something off my shoulders. But they yeah, let let more things in, which kind of unraveled me a little bit. But I think that was that was in a good way because I've been holding so much back. It made space for all these other things to come up. Exactly, exactly. There's always going to, I think it's always going to be there, that anxiety. I have, I have anxiety now. That's that kind of part of who I am now. But also, again, brought me to, brought me to the place where I am today. I kind of, I believe that we all get the birth that we need to have, whether or not it's a hard one to say, because obviously there are some birth, like, you know, obviously there's, there is the prevalence of, not all babies make it through even yes exactly and 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 just let alone medical professionals and things not behaving how they should be behaving or treating treating people how they should be treated but I think every every birth is a rebirth of us and yeah and yeah it it definitely would not be the person I am right now and so passionate about the work that I do had it not been for that beginning that I that I had and the kind of months that came afterwards so I'm kind of kind of grateful for it I guess it's like you couldn't have chosen it but actually through it comes something really wonderful on the other side and it's really nice to be on the other side as well (laughs) yes absolutely I would not want to go back there Um, I feel like I am I just feel I just know my strength now just so much whereas I I wouldn't have 
had it been I yeah I never ever would have thought of myself as a strong person before that that's amazing yeah I just think it's been the biggest greatest lesson for me becoming a mum and I think I wrote something about it the other day but it's really taught me about surrender and acceptance and I think my birth experience was far from the one I had envisaged and worked really hard for but I think through that it actually prepared me really well for motherhood (laughs) so yeah and hopefully for the work that I hope to be doing like you but I guess moving forward in time then between baby one and two you've made a shift across the world (laughs) I have whole different system now (laughs) I am I am yeah that was that was a bit of an awakening I kind of I guess I you don't realize how much you kind of like kind of like by osmosis like how much you absorb and an awareness despite the fact that I didn't know too much about actual birth but just the process of going through that system Mm. you're so aware of so aware of and it's it's a really easy one to navigate in the UK as well I think it's very clear your choices in terms of where are very clear and yeah so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a shock coming here I did not expect to have a culture shock because I was like Australia like I've been here before in the same language I can buy Marmite it's fine (laughs) I was like it's the same but colder and then it's uh, it almost feels well it's a complete shock it almost felt a bit weak like how am I having culture shock here like I've traveled all through the world and not really had it but coming to the UK completely shook me up (laughs) imagine it sounds the same for you yeah yeah I think it just takes a lot longer to realize to realize kind of the the differences when you're planning on actually making it a home to stay is obviously I now know very different from travel (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So that was that. But then obviously, yeah. And then, yeah, navigating this whole new system of the birth world was was completely unexpected. You trained in the UK as a doula before you came out to Australia, just to check. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I trained with developing doulas in the UK. So yeah, I was very much like indoctrinated into the UK system and aware of the challenges of the UK system, which again, I would never expected to have been so different here came here and um I didn't kind of jump straight into birth work again because just the crazy like just the craziness of moving and and so, yeah still having still having like an 18 month old who very much like depended on me that kind of was learning was learning a lot and was feeling very apprehensive about mm-hmm. it all because it's yeah it, yeah it was a lot and then also uh, last year last October I was pregnant but it didn't. Um, I had like a an early birth, about six weeks. So I, I kind of had my first taste then of my own experience of the system, and mm. it was really, really weird. Um, I remember going to the GP. Um, he, he kind of like laughed me out a little bit, which was a bit mean. But I went there very early, like the moment I found out, because I was still taking sertraline um, antidepressants, so I needed to come off them pretty quickly. Well, I didn't have to, but I felt like I wanted to. So yeah, I went there really quickly, and I remember saying, "Yeah." So then I like you know go see a midwife, and he was like, "What? No, you come see me." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Just like, each other and I said no I'm gonna go see a midwife and he, he was just furious like just really wasn't happy about it and I was like this is so bizarre so bizarre because G- GP care is the norm here which I then later discovered and I was just 
so confused because yeah general practitioner is the name not whereas a midwife <laughs> is very much there for pregnancy and birth and postpartum so it was yeah that was that was bizarre I guess in a way it was good because yeah my friend was then also pregnant at the same time which was obviously very sad watching her go through it but it was also very beneficial for me because it was yeah my first kind of experience yeah. of watching someone someone go through it um obstetricians are the norm here as our gps as i just said and private private care is also huge here which yeah. is really really different whereas yeah in the uk it's very much like nhs and midwives so and in planning for this next birth i know you'd had in mind to to try for a home birth i i guess i know there's been lots of obstacles in that do you want to talk about that experience at all Mm. so um I guess it, in a way it would have been better had I had I anticipated that I would feel this way but I mm. kind of very much I'm I feel I feel very very lucky and very grateful to be where I am now which is in a birth center it, again birth centers aren't the same as they are in the UK so program isn't there yeah exactly it's a program you have to apply for and you like either get in or you don't and my the one that's local to me on the Gold Coast only takes four women a month because there are four midwives. So it's amazing and incredible in that they offer complete continuity of care. So you see the top same midwife for the whole of your like your antenatal period. You ring that midwife when you are in labour, and they they are the ones that come and meet you at hospital. So they're very much the same as like what is a home birth private midwife here because they're just on call. And then they come see you in your own home for six weeks postpartum as well, which is absolutely like phenomenal care. But they haven't funded it any further than four four midwives so far. So, yeah, four four midwives, four births months, four people that are in their care. So, yeah, so I feel really lucky to have got that. But um, kind of going through the system again and exploring it and very much being told from the outset, immediately my midwife was very much like you don't have to do it but they will want you to be cannulated they will want you to kind of have continuous monitoring they might they're not going to be entirely happy with water birth but we you know we were aware that it's a good form of pain relief so we want you to do it but just so you know kind of x y and z birth center abby or is this Sorry, is this in the hospitals? So, it, yeah, it's a birth centre. So it's kind of separate from the hospital. Yes. Just with the way that this one's set up, that it is in the hospital. So it's yes. it's this weird thing where lots of birth centres across Australia are separate, completely separate from hospitals, which is amazing. But, yeah, this one's kind of in the hospital. So they're kind of working away from pro- hospital protocol, but also in it. Mm. So it's this weird thing when they kind of have to be kind of keeping the obstetricians happy but also being kind of very woman and birthing person led. So yeah, it's this weird, really weird juggle. So yeah, as soon as I started hearing that and kind of exploring that and then kind of looking at photos of amazing home births and stuff, I really didn't think I'd feel like this after the experience I had the first time round. But I very much decided that I wanted that. Um, And so immediately started trying to access it and then came across the costs Mm. So it costs between three thousand to six thousand dollars to have a home birth in. So that's yeah, like between one and a half to three thousand pounds to just yeah to just procure a midwife basically. And that's that's not that's not through the midwife's fault. That's just through 
the way that it's funded by the government. So all antenatal and postnatal care is at least partially funded by our Medicare, but the actual birth is the really expensive part, obviously, because of the on-call period. Like, as we know, that's about big, big pricing is just doulas. And so, yeah, you can't get away from that. So that, yeah, so even with like Medicare, it, you're looking at around here about 3,500 and it depends, it like goes up and down depending on which state you're in and there's all sorts of stuff. So, um, and that's something that we can't access. I kind of have to be happy with my lot and, and I am, I am. I'm, I feel really grateful, as I said, to be in the birth centre. It would probably be a different, a different matter entirely if I was just in the hospital system. But it was a real big shock to kind of be met by that distinct amount of privilege and barriers that I was meeting just as like a white cis woman mm, barriers for you than what's it like for all the others exactly out there. exactly and, and we know here in Australia that our like you know maternal mortality rate for first nations people is like three times that of a white person and you know these things should be open to mm-hmm. everyone not just to those who who can afford it I really heartbreaking <laughs> for me I had never really looked at the maternal system back home because it wasn't on my radar Mm. I wasn't planning on having a baby getting pregnant and then coming here I never even had to think of the costs and you know for us it was deciding whether to put our money into the the buggy or the pram or the NCT or do we spend that extra five pounds on that cute bubble hat or something you know that's where you think of the money you don't think of the money in terms of Am I going to be able to have the birth that I want or at least the opportunity to try for a home birth? Um, exactly, exactly. And I I think the misconception with home birth is that a lot of people feel that everyone should, if you believe in home birth, that everyone should home birth and that's not the case at all. <laughs> but ev- but definitely everyone who wants to home birth should be able to home birth. Yeah, you Exactly, exactly. And I mean, there are some public programs that are set like kind of popping up in, in like Sydney and Melbourne. Um, the criteria and like the hoops you have to jump through are like a bit, a bit more stringent than just hiring a private midwife, but they exist. But there's literally nothing in Queensland at all. They just don't believe in home birth. Not a sausage. I think I was reading today that over COVID about, I think home birth risen by 500% in Australia. Yet there are still only around 200 private independent midwives that can facilitate that. So the demand is there as well. But yeah, there's just, and they've made it so difficult to be insured and all sorts that it's just, yeah, it's a complete. You're presenting people with such limited choices. Then do you go down the road of having a free birth, which, I mean, not everyone wants to have a home birth and free birth. You know, I just think if it's that or the alternative is going into hospital like you said it was so fortunate you got to go into the birth center but if you were hoping for a home birth it's a very different setting to Mm -hmm. then in hospital especially the first nations people of australia and there i don't know it's such a big conversation to have and i hope to have more of those conversations because it's not something we talk about a lot no, definitely, definitely. And I mean, and, and even just with the one I have to home birth, it's just because I feel like that would where I would feel safest and happiest. Whereas even with there's and then but then I don't even have the cultural ramifications that come with being a First Nations person and kind of needing needing that sense of birthing on country or it's very kind of not even as impactful for me as it might be for someone else. Mm. 
And how are you feeling? I guess it's sort of funny. I don't know that I've really talked to many people who, oh, no, maybe one or two who were currently pregnant. But how are you feeling about your upcoming birth experience? I guess it's going to be so different just from the position you're in with the understanding you have. I guess that's apart from the fact that you're in a different system and on the other side of the world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely a different experience being pregnant and being so much more aware of of birth and kind of what a transformative amazing experience it can be Um, and considering things like what I'm gonna do with my placenta and all this kind of stuff that I'd never even never even thought about and being very aware of my of I guess this I feel like this is a real like chance for me to kind of take on like my own like sovereignty a bit Mm. to be aware of yeah the power that I have perhaps in a being able to to birth the baby in kind of it's going to be a really big deal as well to be present actually at the at the birth of my baby because I didn't I didn't have that the first time around at all kind of mm-hmm. fell asleep at, fell asleep pregnant and woke up a mother that must be so bizarre like you sort of dream like that but to actually have that happen it must exactly. be really yeah <laughs> yeah it was yeah it was exactly really difficult and yeah to hear yeah just keep imagining hearing those hearing those first cries for the first Mm -hmm. time but yeah and then I'm also and I think my biggest thing actually is focusing on my postnatal my postpartum period because that was something that I didn't gift myself at all at all last time and really forced myself to get back to normal and felt the pressure to get back to normal and yeah it wasn't kind of held in the way that I would have liked to be because I just felt like I didn't deserve it not because anyone anyone did anything wrong but yeah I just didn't yeah you don't feel like you deserve it don't deserve that time so I think that's true because you feel like you have to give everything to the baby but also I don't think that we do a very good job in talking about the impacts of that period if that makes sense and mm-hmm. if you're not held in the right space and supported and taking that time and how that further down the line can impact not just you and your relationship with your baby but you as a as a parent and a person in subsequent pregnancies and how that can then come back we're not really good at talking about the bridge between birth and postpartum which is forever you're forever postpartum (laughs) Once, you, once yeah. you've had a baby <laughs> that whole six weeks is a complete lie like yeah. complete, being signed off you know at six weeks being like off you go you're fine now you can go yeah. you know do all your normal stuff go have sex all that kind of stuff is just yeah a bit of a a bit of a farce really I think I'm really feeling the effects of that this pregnancy um, as I've been so, so depleted in iron for example that I've actually been hospitalized just with some heart stuff I'm fine I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keel over but I really believe that that's from the knock-on effects of not looking after myself properly or being aware even to look after myself properly it is being aware yeah exactly. I you know I've recently just read a book called the postnatal depletion plan and he talks so like emphatically about how much your placenta drains from you whether you like it or not like whether you whether you're aware of it or whether you're kind of pleasing yourself or not your placenta will take what it needs from mm-hmm. you yeah exactly it, yeah whether whether or not you need that iron or dha or whatever it's going to take from you it's securing so, it for the 
yeah. exactly exactly because it's it's kind of it's imperative for the placenta to keep the baby alive it doesn't care about you so much <laughs> um, it's a bit brutal but amazing <laughs> so yeah so if you don't if you don't look after yourself in that first 40 days it is incredibly difficult for you to get to that place of at least being able to survive for the next the next however long of you know sleep deprivation and potentially breastfeeding and and all that kind of stuff and yeah I think I, I think I'm feeling you know that they, those effects of like de- depletion uh, three years and a couple of pregnancies down the track and yeah it's just not something that we're talked about it's something so prevalent in other cultures still and exists but in our western culture we've just completely like forgotten it which means that equally as well now we're we've kind of lost this is what I was talking to a friend about this the other day that we've even got to the point where we're kind of like not really appropriating but now kind of grabbing on to other cultures and the way they do things like Ayurveda and the Chinese you know sitting the month and all that kind of stuff because we've just lost completely like lost touch completely with our more like western traditions it's really really interesting they would have existed but we haven't carried them through exactly exactly but no I think that's definitely it's just even the awareness and I think we're doing a much better job in terms of changing the language around birth and talking about the experience of birth in a different way and maybe it's sort of eventually we'll start rolling that more into postpartum but I think the value in I think even like you said just talking about it with others and shared stories is really important just so it can be on your radar and you might choose not to participate but it's actually just knowing that this is something for consideration definitely and until like um, I think I think it takes about 15 years they were saying for like research to come into play into actual Mm -hmm. practice like into medical practice and so unfortunately for quite a while (laughs) until we catch up it's so important to have that kind of shared narrative and Mm. to talk to others because we're kind of informing each other of the things yeah that aren't being talked about stuff like nutrition or you know even just delayed cord camping or all those kind of things that yeah it's kind of spoken knowledge as opposed to kind of being inherent within our systems at the moment no well thank you so much for sharing your journey and your story it's nice to talk to people who've been through both systems actually or going through the second system <laughs> you're so <different>. traveling up <laughs> yeah traveling through um, but abby how can people connect with you if they wanted to get in touch to find out more about your work and your journey yeah so i am at underscore the family collective on instagram and then you can also find me uh, on my website at thefamilycollective.net wonderful thank you so much i really it's been such a pleasure getting to hear your story and your journey i I love hearing all different types of motherhood journeys really i think it's so important that we've been saying so i really do appreciate it thank you abby no thank you so much for having me thank you techie I hope you enjoyed this episode come connect with me on instagram with the handle born underscore underscore together i'd love to hear from you and please do share subscribe and rate the podcast to help it get out to a wider audience i'd love if you could until next week bye